Hi, my name's Diana Trepkoff, and I'd like to welcome you to my new podcast called Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? I'm a forensic artist who's completed hundreds of law enforcement cold cases, and I can tell you firsthand the pain and suffering I have witnessed on families of missing loved ones. I can see the pain on their face, I can hear the pain in their voice, and I feel it in my heart. My dream is that all missing persons will be found and there will never be another missing person ever again. That's what I pray for. That's what I hope for. And that is my dream. So please welcome my new podcast, Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? And one by one, let's bring these missing loved ones home. Thank you. podcast called Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? Heidi Allen has been missing since April 3rd, 1994. I'm honored to have her sister on the show today. Her name is Lisa Buskey. She's a podcaster, author, and loving sister to Heidi. And who else better to tell the story than you? So thank you so much for being on my show. Oh, thank you for having me. You, you know, I always see your pictures on the internet and you have this beautiful smile and amazing energy and you post beautiful religious stuff and a family and I can tell you're a really good person. So I, I'd love to hear about you, what you're doing right now. And, and then if we can go into what happened to Heidi and how you've been dealing with this for all these years. Oh, definitely. Um, I will say probably the first 10 years after my sister's kidnapping, um, happy and smiling probably wouldn't have been the pictures that you saw, but you know, as I've moved forward, that's, that's one of my hopes and passions is to encourage others through the podcast or the blog or social media that regardless of what somebody's been through, you know, you can still smile and enjoy life and we should be able to do that without guilt. Yeah that's important for people to know that, and that's a journey. I mean, it's part of the grieving cycle. It's a part of, you know, our life cycle, but at the same time, we need people to tell us and give us permission. I think sometimes to say it's okay to smile. It's okay to celebrate. It's okay to enjoy life. Our loved ones don't want us, you know, puddling in our house behind closed doors. And so I do a blog on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Amazing. That's lisambusky.com. And just really try to encourage people and uplift them. And I have my podcast, One Sister's Journey, Keeping It Real. And that's Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. And they both have the same message. I just keep it real. You know, some days, you know, I've broke down and cried on the podcast. Other days you know, I laugh and I'm goofy. And, you know, my faith in God definitely is my foundation. Yeah, I'm still a human being. I mean, the other day we talked about the Urban Dictionary on the podcast, you know, my daughter was like mortified. She goes, Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you brought up the Urban Dictionary on your Christian podcast. (laughs) But the last I checked, I'm still a human being. And I think that's what people need to know. It's, it's finding a balance. So that's, that's kind of where I am. I'm working on a my first devotional, I have um, ARC advanced reader copies out, and the good news is the readers are chomping at the bit for more. Um, 
and I'm trying to get it to them as quick as they want it. But with digital learning, um, I work as a teaching assistant at the local elementary school. But wow. I co you're amazing. <laughs> I co-teach a transitional K and a kindergarten class, so I'm actually teaching well home. You know, doing way more than you know, like the average TA because I co-teach a class. So I've been struggling to balance with school being in my house, I guess, you know, as a teacher, I'm seems like my teacher hat is on 24 hours a day because, you know, I have a classroom set up in my house, you know, to do webinars and teach lessons every day. Amazing. I love your energy. I love that you're so real. I love that you were willing to come on the podcast and, and talk about your sister. For the listeners who don't know, could you, um, you know, tell the history about Heidi? Who was she before she went missing so we can honor her? Oh, definitely. Um, Heidi is four years younger than me. Um, and, you know, your typical sibling rivalry growing up, yet still close. Because, I mean, there was just the two of us and very you know, the road we lived on, very rural country setting, and, you know, it was our house, and then the next one was my grandmother and my aunts, the next house was my aunt and uncle, the next house was a cousin, and then if you went in the other direction, it was cousins, the other direction, it was cousins, so, you know, that's kind of where we came from, you know, that's cool. and we did Sunday suppers, and, you know, it was a tight, you know, fun, and we have very mixed political views. So, you know, Sunday dinners were always exciting. And mm -hmm. yeah, and then she, I went to uh, Bishop Cunningham Junior Senior High School. It's a, it was a private Catholic school. And my sister went there also um, her sophomore and junior year, but then the school closed. So she had the option of, you know, either returning back to public school or applying for college a year early. And she really didn't want to go back to the public school. So she opted, applied for uh, early admission to college. She was accepted. So she did her senior year of high school simultaneously with her freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. And she was scheduled to graduate with honors in May of 94. Oh. Amazing. And she's just known, you know, like if you see her friends or anybody, they'll say she was, she had this infectious smile. So when you started with that, like I got teary eyed because that's not something most people would have said about me. I was tend to be the moody one. And, but she had this infectious smile and that's what people remember about her is that she just put others first. She was always smiling and just so selfless and she was 18 when she was kidnapped so she had so much of her life in front of her yet for being so young she got it you know like she just put others first and it didn't matter that's just and I don't know if that's just is because of the way we were raised mm -hmm. we were always helping each other and you took care of your neighbors you took care of your family that's you know that's all we knew that's what you did and that's beautiful. Um, so she did not make it to graduation. Um, uh, about five weeks before graduation, on April 3rd, 1994, it was Easter Sunday. She went to work, 
opened up, um, you know, shortly after five o'clock in the morning. She worked at the local convenience store and her boyfriend went with her as he always did to open up, you know, just because that's, you know, just because you're in the country doesn't mean something can't happen. And he left and went home and they were supposed to get together. She took the early shift so that one of her coworkers could stay home and watch her kids, you know, find their Easter baskets and all of that. And so they switched shifts. She wasn't even supposed to be working Easter Sunday morning. But they switched because she said, I don't have kids. You should be home and watch your kids find their Easter baskets. I'll work. So it wasn't even Heidi's day to work. Um, Yeah. And she had such a good heart to offer. Yeah. And, you know, she just, she couldn't see her sleeping in when, you know, a mom's going to miss watching her kids find Easter baskets. And at 7.42 on April 3rd, 1994, she rang in her last transaction um, for a couple packs of cigarettes. And she's remained missing ever since. I'm so sorry. Um, it's so sad. And like, it's a devastating when, when you, when I'm hearing this and, um, and where exactly was that? You said the convenience store, what location, um, what country, just so people know. Yeah. Um, located in New Haven, New York. It's in Oswego County um, in the United States. It's, we are literally, um, the house we grew up in is less than two miles from Lake Ontario in Oswego County. So we're about 45 minutes north of Syracuse, New York. Most people are familiar with Syracuse, New York mm-hmm. uh, because of basketball. <laughs> so yeah. it's north of there, um, right on Lake Ontario. So the convenience store was at that time was called the D and W convenience store. It's now, it's been multiple gas stations over the past 25, 26 years. And there is a remembrance garden there. It's shaped in a star that the community built for Heidi. Oh, that's so nice. I love hearing stories when, you know, strangers and just amazing people who have good hearts they all come together and it's sad through tragedy but there is so much love and so many people really care about missing loved ones and care about Heidi and yeah they do and I mean and they even went to having it made like a national park or like a not national but like it's a recognized park for New York and we didn't even realize that till they redid the road they redid like the road that it's on five years ago ago and they came to my parents house and asked for permission to put up the fencing and my dad said why do you need our permission and they said well it's a landmark now in New York we didn't even know that like and it was for Heidi we had no clue so he had to like give them permission and they had to put up special fencing because it was a landmark and we didn't even know the community had done that so you know more than 20 years after her kidnapping we learned something that you know, we knew the garden was there and it's, you know, we work with the community to maintain it, but we had no idea that somebody had gone to all that extra effort to make it a landmark so that it has to be that people can't take, take it away. That's amazing. Yeah. What do you, you don't have to mention names, but what do you and your family think happened to her? Like I know kidnapped, but what do you think happened? Um, I mean, we, we, we trust the sheriff's department. 
and two men have been arrested. Um, Richard Thibodeau was arrested in May of 94 and his brother Gary was arrested in August of 94 for kidnapping Heidi. Um, and we believe she was kidnapped and murdered that day. Um, and it, it doesn't get easier. No. And, you know, and even like, even preparing like to talk with you because I have to like get in that mindset so that I don't become some, sometimes these are great and sometimes, you know, I'm like fighting back tears. So I try to do it before so that I get the emotion out before I do the interviews. And I understand it's the reality and people need to hear the emotions. But like, I didn't even realize like the months of time between the arrest and the trials and because they had separate trials. So um, the first brother was convicted to 25 years to life in prison and he died in 2018 on my birthday. <laughs> oh my God. In 2018, yeah. Um, and the Sorry, I know it's difficult. I, I understand their point. You know, they're scared, but my heart goes out to Heidi, you, your parents. Like, I keep saying, you know, protect the innocent, don't protect the criminals. But it's it's tough because these days, if you're known as a rat you know, you get threatened or you can get killed. Like it, it's really hard. It's really hard. I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm so sorry it happened. I, yeah, I can tell. And, like, you know, and then, you know, through the trials and even, you know, before uh, the Gary Thibodeau passed away in jail, you know, he, he had to, uh, you know, put in for appeals over the years and lost them all. Yeah. Um, but in 2014, it was, it was just horrific. Um, and so, you know, my mother's last, I think, honestly, it was just the stress that just, you know, she passed away on my sister's birthday, September 14th in 2015. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. It was, but I think that year, because in 2014, this appeal and you know, he had a journalist that was trying to make a name for himself also in the process was relentless, would be my word, relentless. And I'm not sure his motives were true, but, you know, as you know, you can't speak to somebody's motives. We don't know what people think. We can just perceive what we see. And, um, but, you know, we believe what the sheriff said and, and, you know, and I think of the people that drove by and saw this and nobody stopped. Yeah. And, but then there's that flip side that a lot of this generation doesn't understand. They didn't have a cell phone in their pocket or in their purse right next to them to pick up the phone and call the sheriffs. If they wanted to make the phone call, they either had to drive into the gas station where the, you know, pay phone was and get involved or drive on to the next payphone, which for where we live would be another 15 minutes away in either direction. You know, it wasn't the same way of living that, you know, people are, if you're listening today and you're under 20, you know, they don't even understand the concept of what do you mean you had to have a quarter to use a phone? Yeah. <laughs> so 
it's taken me time and you know do i wish you know things had happened differently of course i do because what if somebody would have stocked their car or what if she didn't take the shift and yeah yeah and you know and through the hearings you know her character was just ripped apart you know and you sit there watching this person that is nothing but good and put herself before others and they made her out to be you know this drug dealing terrible person and because they had a ci card and you know it all boiled down to that she ratted out a party you know one party to save a friend because a friend was going down the wrong road you know, so she ran it out one party <laughs> as a teenager. Yeah. And she wasn't, you know, some informant, you know, like you see on television. She was a teenager that saw her friend going down a bad road and wanted to take care of her friend. And I think, you know, knowing my sister's personality, if that was the case and this is you know was their motive you know because you know that's their belief that that was the motive of why they did it and she did it to save a friend and that friend was drug clean cleaned up after that my sister would say it was worth it mm -hmm. oh i just there's a lot of things you can't change or go back you can just, you know, a lot of people are more aware. Um, yeah, like I think your your speaking out today will help other families hearing you. You know, they'll they'll think you know they can smile, they can still be happy. Like it's hard right now. We're speaking about this, and it's very personal and. It hurts me to hear you hurt. And then I'm thinking of Heidi and I'm thinking of beautiful, innocent girl. This happened to, it's so wrong. It's so wrong what's happening to hundreds of thousands of missing people out there. And, and that's where I got the burning desire inside. You know, I thought I can do more than just age progressions and advocate. I'm going to do a podcast called, can I help find your missing loved one? And, you know, to get the stories out and to help find them. And if they're found just to, you know, tell the story to inspire others. I wanted to say, I have the amazing book that you gave me as a gift, Where's Heidi? And um, you're amazing, 354 pages. Like you're, you can tell you're hardworking, you're passionate. And I have the little yellow sticky note right here. <laughs> and it says, Diana, small token of thanks, Lisa with a smiley face. And I was gonna say, that's not small. That means a lot to me. So I've always had it with me in my office. And when I did the age progression, what year was it? 213, I did the age progression. Yeah, I was going to say 2013 it was. Yeah, and then what she would look like at 38. And I remember reading that your mom seen the age progression and said, that's my girl. And I think my eyes got all watery because I was happy to hear that. Well, your know. age progressions, I mean, you nailed it. Mm -hmm. You know, to have the two differences. And I think, you know, for you, you know, it's a way that you're helping us, but from the families, it is, it's empowering and encouraging. 
one because to know that you know someone else that doesn't even know us or Heidi would dedicate such time and heart and love you know to help is just it's such encouragement for families of the missing because sometimes even though you're never like we've never felt alone but yet you do does that make sense like yes. you know yes. you're not alone but like that was such a huge uplifting experience you know i had that made into a large banner and when i speak i bring it with me and and share because people need to know you know and then i talk about your generosity and your talent because people need to see that it you know that that saying it takes a village yeah thank and you so much for saying that it it, it is it's an it's such a benefit so when you asked there was no doubt I was going to say yes because what you're doing you're empowering families of missing to keep our heads up and to move on and to give us hope because in our family we are fortunate a lot of families that have a missing loved one for 26 years they have cold cases their cases are sitting in filing cabinets and law enforcement and the DA's office have forgotten about them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, your actions and your helping families and this podcast is just going to empower them to know that it's not a cold case. Somebody has remembered my loved one. And that is so huge to know that somebody remembers because we understand that we are the minority. Um, the Oswego County Sheriff's, every time they get a new batch of investigators in, their first assignment is to go through my sister's case and find the needle in the haystack. That's the assignment they are given. Wow. That doesn't happen on all missing persons cases. No, no, it doesn't. And, and they send I mean, anything. And they, I mean, I have on my phone, the DA, the ADA, the sheriff and my sisters, the lead investigator on her case, they have all of their cells and private cells on my cell phone. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> and they have me, and they always say, call anytime you need me. Sadly, my poor investigator, he's been pocket dialed a couple times. And so we have bonded because I've pocket dialed a couple times, not on purpose. Um, um, that's, that's so nice. That's so nice. They're there to help. They care so and much. And I think families need to know that too. I mean, but I think that was something my parents established in the beginning because my dad and the sheriff were friends. My sister, one of her best friends was the sheriff's son. So Heidi wasn't just a missing person to him. Yeah. You know, Heidi was the girl that came over to the pool parties when the class got together, because I mean, I think her graduating class at Bishop Cunningham was like 18 people. I mean, it was a small, you know, so the sheriff knew her. He knew my dad. It wasn't missing child case number. It was Heidi that was at my house for a cookout and a pool party, you know, and he didn't retire. He, he, retired later than he had expected because he wanted to bring her home and before he retired he came and apologized to my dad and I that he didn't find her but he had to retire mm. and wanted our permission and I just sat there crying like 
I know you just got my eyes watery. Like, you, no, retire. You need, you know, but to know that he held off on retirement. I mean, of course, the people loved him because he kept getting voted in. But, you know, um, but that he sacrificed time. He could have been traveling to warmer places or whatever because he wanted to bring us Heidi. That's that's amazing. And the new sheriff, you know, I haven't had as many interactions, but that would be normal. I mean, I knew the other sheriff before I knew him as sheriff, you know, so. Yeah. Um, but they haven't forgotten, you know, they still check in on the anniversary. They call the DA, the ADA, you know, her lead investigator. They call on Easter. They call on the anniversary date. They call on her birthday. That's such I, amazing people. I just, I wish every family had that because yeah. I can't imagine this journey not having that relationship with law enforcement and the district attorney's office. I know so many families say to me, I feel so alone. This is torture. And, and that's why I try to stand by them as much as I can and push and get the word out, make the case current. But um, yeah, they're, what advice can you give families to help them? Um, to keep your chin up and to remember it's okay. You have permission to enjoy life. You have permission to celebrate births and graduations and milestones with your kids and your grandkids. And to the parents specifically, remember your other kids. They're hurting in a way that is as intense as you as a parent, yet totally different. And that's why I wrote Where's Heidi? Because I could not find a book for the sibling. And I felt so alone. That's, that's a, I'm sorry you felt so alone, and that's a really good point, what you just said, because, yeah, usually it's the mom, the dad, the parents, and what about the siblings? It's the whole family that suffers. Yeah, and it's okay. And for sometimes, your kids are not going to tell you when they're hurting. Um, I don't know if I've shared this with you, when um, the first proof of where's Heidi came and I gave it to my mom and she sat and she read it, did it in a day, sitting out on the deck. And she called me, she said, I finished the book. I need you to come up here. I need to talk to you. I must tell you, I only live like an eight minute walk from my parents, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. drive. And it was the longest drive to my parents. And were you nervous? I was a train wreck. I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Have I hurt her feelings? And, you know, it was in the final stage of editing with the editor. And so I sat down and she said, I need to apologize to you. I said, for what? She said, I had no idea you felt this way. You need to accept my apologies. And she teared up. And my mom's not one to cry. Anybody that knows her, she's like this brick wall. And she teared up and she said, I just need you to know I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. 
I wasn't there for you and I'm sorry. And I looked at her and I puddle, you know, my mom, rock wall, me, puddle over commercials. So um, I'm, you know, I said, mom, tell me what in that book is making you feel this way and I'm taking it out. Tell me right now. Please tell me you marked the pages in the book that have made you feel like you need to apologize to me. I don't want any parent to read this book and feel like they need to apologize to their kids. That is not the intent of this book. This book is to encourage and uplift. And she said, no, you've got to leave it. She goes, and it wasn't one part. She goes, it was cover to cover. No idea. She goes, and I had tunnel vision. I said, but you should have your first priority is Heidi. She goes, no, God gave me two kids and I'm supposed to take care of two kids. You need to leave it in there so other parents know they have other kids. Mm-hmm. Can't forget about them. And that they're hurting. She goes, you didn't tell me. And she goes, if you would have told me, what would I have done? I said, you would have held me and you would have taken care of me. She goes, so you knew I'd care for you, but yet you still kept it in. She goes, other parents need to know that their surviving children that are living in their house and sleeping next door are hurting in a way we don't understand. They need to know. Even if it's unspoken, she goes, she goes, your book could start conversations. I think you're brilliant. I think you're brilliant for writing the book. I think you're brilliant for one sister's journey, keep it, keeping it real. I think you're amazing how strong you are. Even if you break down and cry, we're all human. You have a really good heart. You love your sister so much, which is very obvious. And um, I guess if, if Heidi could hear you now, what would you want to say to her? Um, you are never, ever forgotten, and we will never give up, ever. Not as long as I have breath, or my daughter has a breath, or her children have a breath, we will never give up. We'll bring her home. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what do you, um, I don't know how to say this, have they, they've never found her yet? No. No. So what can you say to the listeners if they know something, something that just from your heart, what can you say? Maybe someone who knows something will come forward? Um, if you're listening and you hold that missing puzzle piece, if you know where Heidi is, You can call the local sheriff's department and they have a toll-free number 1-888-349-3411. You can call them directly at 315-349-3411. And if you you don't trust local law departments because I get some people don't, I will tell you, I do. I trust them with my life. I trust them with my sister. Um, you can call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You can go to their website 
and contact them. They have um, a direct line. They're in connection with our investigator, um, with the family. You can call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and it will get to the family. You can message me privately on Facebook. Some people have done that. Um, I will tell you, I, my, my go-to people are the Sheriff's Department. Um, and they have followed every lead I have ever given them. And I, I believe that 100% from how you've spoken about them. They, they sound amazing. Yeah, they're, they wear their hearts on their sleeves. They look tough, but I probably shouldn't tell anybody they're soft, but they're... They're, they're human. <laughs> yeah. You know, the police, they put their lives on the line every day for us. So I really appreciate hearing how much you admire them and and hearing positive stories. We don't always hear positive stories about the police and I like to hear the good ones. Yeah, they're, yeah, so, but you can call the Oswego County Sheriff's Department or, I mean, call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Our family is quite active mm -hmm. with the National Center and Missing and Exploited Children. So you might even get somebody that may know me. So if that helps build that, trust because I know that people need trust but if you know something please call um, yeah. you know we we accept that you know when Heidi's found we may never be able to give her a proper burial because you know things people don't realize is her body will be then evidence um but we will know where she is and that's that's what we want to know my mom's first question and on Easter Sunday, 1994, is where's Heidi? And that's the question we still look to answer today. And that's that's your book also here. And you can also, anyone, if they know, anybody knows something, you can go on the Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One website. So it's canihelpfindyourmissingloveone.com and leave a tip and then I'll contact Lisa. And um, is there any final thoughts, anything you wanted to add? I just want to thank you for your beautiful personality. Although we have not met in person, I feel like we've been friends. Mm -hmm. We will for, <laughs> for long, you know, and so thank you. And thank you for advocating for the missing because so many don't have a support network and you need a support network on this journey. Yes. Thank you. That touched my heart. And, and thank you so much for joining me and thank you um, to all the listeners, please, if you know something, do the right thing. Call in the tip. No tip is too small. And, yeah, thank you for listening. Until the next segment, stay safe and best wishes. Okay, bye, Lisa. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're beautiful and have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One is created, produced, and hosted by Diana Trepkoff. Associate producer and sound editing by Marty Brown. Please don't forget to call in any tips. Thank you.